Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I just have our wizard of wait, what, Chinoda. Bring out Gridman so I can crush him! <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That is exactly what we're going to be talking about tonight. Tonight, we are going to be doing a spoiler cast of a show that both myself and Shoda, I think very surprisingly, found very, very enjoyable from the fall 2018 season. That is SSSS.Gridman. Can't forget the dot. So, I can't forget the dot. Uh, so, as I said, fair warning, this is going to be a full-on spoiler cast, so we can and may spoil just about anything from the show. If you haven't seen the show yet, I think both of us here highly recommend it, um, especially if you're a fan of things like Kaiju or Super Sentai. I think you will find it very, very enjoyable. Or if you're a fan of the original Ultraman or Gridman uh, live-action shows. For those of uh, you sluts that don't know what Sentai is yet basically power rangers mm. and yeah, with that you, i bless you on your new journey yeah i mean if a lot of people don't call in in the west don't call it super sentai they call it power rangers because that's what it was called in the west um johnny young bosch still best power ranger anyway <laughs> um so uh with that out of the way we're just gonna kind of get right into it so a little bit of background information so uh I'm just going to call it Gridman. Fuck the triple S thing. I can't, I'm not going to say that the whole time. Um, so Gridman, the anime, was a joint venture between Studio Trigger, my second favorite anime studio of all time, and uh, Subaraya Productions, which was, the st- or still is, the studio behind the original 1993 Gridman and the Ultraman franchise. Uh, that being said, I myself, I had never actually watched the original Gridman. However... I have watched many, many different iterations of the old Ultraman shows in the past, and I think you have as well, right, Snowden? I actually have not. Oh, you haven't? No. I know you, you had told me that you'd never seen Gridman, but I thought you said you'd seen a couple of episodes of Ultraman in the past. No, not that I recall. Maybe I've <laughs> uh, watched it at uh, my old uh, college anime club, with a couple of episodes here and there, but nothing that I can distinctly recall. Hmm. Okay, so, but you have seen, uh, like, Super Sentai, like, Power Rangers and stuff. In the yes, past, yes, right? I have watched stuff like okay. that. Yeah. And you are, you're also, you're also a fan of, of, like, the kaiju movies, like Godzilla. Oh, massive fan. I've yeah. seen almost every single movie, if not all of them. Like, and I'm not yeah. talking about the, I'm not just talking about the more recent editions. I mean the old movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like from the 50s and 60s. <laughs> yeah, like I started, like um, I initially got into it um, when I came over to the U.S. and discovered the uh, Americanized Godzilla from, what was it, 99 or 2000? 90, 98, oh God. 98, no. yeah. That was my introduction into uh, that, but afterwards I well, you uh, had eventually... You had absolutely nowhere to go but up from there. <laughs> yeah, seriously, nowhere to go up uh, but up. I mean, I do have a special place in my heart for that one. It's uh, it's different. I'll just say that. But um, after that, eventually, I uh, started looking into uh, the Godzilla uh, movies and cinematic uh, verse more, and I discovered uh, everything that there was. I was like, "Holy shit, this yeah. is really great!" And eventually, I just ended up binging all the movies for uh, in like a one month span. Like, every night I just uh, sat down and watched a different movie chronologically. Okay. Well, that's, that's a great way to get introduced to it. Um, so, for myself, when this when this show was originally announced, first of all, I was ecstatic that Trigger was going to be handling it because I knew, oh my god, it's going to look amazing. Um, but for me, I, I went into this having watched the original Ultraman shows, I thought, wow, this is going to be a lot of nostalgia if they do this the right way. And for me, like the first two or three episodes of the show, for it was a massive nostalgia boner for me. Without a doubt. I felt the same thing. Like, even if you haven't watched any uh, Ultraman or uh, any Gridman uh, things beforehand, like, if you watched any iteration of uh, Kaiju uh, movies or shows or any Super Sentai shows you will get a nostalgia boner just off of that. Even if this is a completely different series, 
it hits all the right notes in just the right ways. Yeah, I, I will say one thing I, I credit uh, the way this was written is it's written in a way as to which you really don't have to have any knowledge whatsoever of the past, like Gridman or Ultraman stuff, and I think you can still enjoy it. It pays off if you do have some knowledge, but you absolutely do not need it whatsoever. Yeah, which is which is which is great from the way the anime is is set up because it's literally it's just a twelve episode anime, so you don't have a lot of time to you know get acclimated to this world. But I think they did a really good job of balancing um, making this very accessible for new uh, Gridman slash Ultraman fans and having enough callbacks and references in it to keep the people like me who had seen that stuff in the past interested throughout. Uh, uh, speaking of callbacks and references, that is one thing that the, that Gridman did a lot of. And, th- I mean, they, they go so far as to actually reference the Ultraman show within the show itself, which is like a meta reference of a caliber that's I've never seen. Um, Torka, like, one of the characters in, in, the, in the show is a huge Ultraman fan, Utsumi. And he, <laughs> people, he, he always say, well... When, people, when everyone would be like, well, what do we do now? He says, well, in Ultraman, this is what happens next. Yeah, it was hilarious. He's like, well, if you pay attention to plot development, this is what's going to happen next. Or this is what needs to be ha- uh, done. And funny enough, that's exactly what happened. And I'm like, this is entertaining. It's kind of cheesy, but in the fun way. Yeah, and I actually think that the the way they did Utsumi, it, the way they wrote Utsumi in the show, it's almost as if he's a fan insert character to where it's like, you've been a fan of this your whole life. Why don't we just insert you into the story? And I actually think they did that really well. It was. Thankfully, he uh, actually did uh, get more of a personality and some development through uh, towards the end of the series. But yeah. I definitely agree that he uh, definitely feels like a... More like you can imagine yourself in this situation, but instead of being the main character, you're one of the side characters. But you matter. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I do want to get into the story uh, eventually, but I do want to get into this first. So this project, this anime project, ended up being sort of a love child, I guess you could say, between uh, first-time director for Trigger, Akira Amamiya, and writer Keiichi Hasegawa. Uh, if you don't know Hasegawa's name, he actually was the writer of the Ultraman live-action series from the early to, I think, maybe even late 90s he was still a writer on the show. Um, and Akira Amamiya, is, he's been working with Trigger for, for many, many years in a bunch of different roles. This is the first time, however, that he had direct, he's directed a full-fledged uh, anime series. He was the director on Inferno Cop, but that was a short. Uh, great. If you haven't seen Inferno Cop, go see it. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, but he's had a bunch of different roles over the years with Trigger Anime, uh, Trigger Studio Trigger. Uh, he was the assistant director of Kill the Kill. He has been a key animator on several different Trigger shows like Panty and Stocking, uh, uh, Gurren Lagan, which was actually Gainax, but same difference. Uh, Space Patrol Luluko, he was a co-director, and he did key animation on that show. Uh, he was also uh, a second key animator on Darling and the Franks. Uh, so this TLDR, guy's been around. This guy's been very important in what he's, he's been, been, yeah, been he, doing. He's definitely been around in Studio Trigger for sure, and I'm, I'm really glad that they gave him this opportunity to direct a full-fledged series, because I think in terms of how this show was directed, he, except for a few minor instances, I would say he, he hit it out of the park with this one. I can agree to uh, that, yeah. There, there. I will say, I, I've said it in the past on the podcast before, I find it very, very difficult to objectively criticize Trigger shows simply because I love Studio Trigger so damn much. And it's not just a studio. I love the people that are involved with Studio Trigger. Um, but I will say one point of criticism I noticed in, in the directing style that he went with for this is he has used a lot of establishing or lingering shots that I thought lingered for just a little bit too long. You think uh, there was time wasted in set I'm shots? Not, it just seems like he just held some certain shots for, for so long. Now, 
I, I was thinking about this one after I wrote this down and, or I was thinking, you know, thinking through what I wanted to say about this. And I thought maybe this is like a clever callback to Neon Genesis Evangelion as well, because that was something that the directing style of Evangelion did as well with um, like these lingering shots that would just linger on people's faces and on scenery just for like, it, it would seem like forever, like five to six seconds with no dialogue, no music, no nothing. Without a doubt, thought, there was definitely a lot of Evangelion feels. Yes, well, to the show. and this, 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 the director, um, Amamiya, has has worked on Gainax stuff in the past. In fact, there is a there's well, there's two actually. There's uh, three now that I think about it. There's three direct references to uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion throughout the course of Gridman. Uh, one of them is just absolutely blatant. In the fact that uh, the, the episode where they go river rafting, um, they come across w- one of the plot devices is they have to get to a payphone to call uh, the 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 Gridman Alliance people back at the junk shop, and the payphone that they use is the exact same payphone that Shinji uses at the beginning of Evangelion. Holy shit! No wonder it looks so familiar. It is it is literally the exact same payphone, and it has it has the same fo- uh, phone book on top of it as well. Oh my and god! And the way that sh- the way that shot was framed, where Rika's holding the uh, the phone, is exactly the same way that Shinji holds it in the first episode. So that was that was really cool. That was a really clever uh, like shout out. Um, there's also a scene where uh, you get to see something that Utsumi is writing on a piece of paper, and he ha- literally has written in English, "God's in His heaven, all's right with the world." Yeah, I was really tripped out when I saw that. I was like, "What the hell? What? What?" And it was just weird. The, the, and then the people from the Gridman Alliance say they come from Neon Genesis Middle School. Yeah, no, that that was just completely blatant. That that was just yeah. them, like, hey it guys. Was, it was a it was a nice it was a nice touch. It was a really nice touch. At least I thought it was. <laughs> they had fun with it. I, I liked it. I, I also, liked that. Yeah. also something that was pointed out while the show was airing. So Aoyuki, who is the voice of Bor, the the the, I'm using this in quotes. The girl with the pigtails. Uh, in the Gridman Alliance, she she tweeted out, "I'm really glad I got to play a little boy in this show." <laughs> and people were like, "What?" Oh yeah, that. <laughs> I that thought people went me people up. went crazy when they figured that. Like, that's a trap. What? <laughs> no one was expecting that. It was just <laughs> like, hold up, what? I mean that that made it even better. It was just so unexpected. I and I don't think this is the first time that Aoyuki's played a male character before. I'd have to go and look it up, but I, surely she's played a male because she has this sort of voice that you can turn into something masculine. But uh, she's the voice of Tanya in Saga of Tanya the Evil, by the way. Uh, <laughs> ah. Uh, also, while we're on the subject of voices, uh, if you are a fan of Studio Trigger and you have ever seen Space Patrol Luluko, the voice of Alexis Kerib, the the alien who's kind of influencing um, Shinjo, is the same guy who voiced Over Justice in uh, in Space Patrol Luluko. I just, I felt like I should point that out because he does such a good job in both of those roles. His voice is something else. That best boy. <laughs> oh man uh, I forgot where I was going oh so yeah uh, the, the all the call outs and stuff in this to old like Gynax and, and, and Trigger Works and speaking of callbacks and Trigger Works Akko from Little Witch Academia also makes a cameo appearance in one, in a, as a background character in one of the episodes wait hold on what in the river rafting episode there's a character in the background when they're all looking up at the mountain kaiju that kind of springs up and if you if you look closely one of the characters looks exactly like Akko from Little Witch Academia. Okay, I'm going to have to go back and look at this because holy shit, I did not notice that. Mhm. Yeah, look it, it looks exactly like Akko and you never see her before and you'll never see her again. But still more easter eggs. It's, they put a lot of yeah. easter eggs in this show. 
They, they did. They put a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of references, a lot of callbacks. And that's one of the things I actually ended up really loving about this show. It's not just was it a nostalgia boner. It just was like, I'm a <laughs> show says this all the time. I'm a reference whore. And I guess I am because the more they did it, the more I loved it. But yeah. Um, I guess since we started talking about the characters, should we talk about the characters briefly? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. So I have, I have one point of criticism I want to say with the characters. I liked Yuta a lot. However, I think that Rika would have made a better main protagonist because I think throughout the whole thing, she was the only one that that questioned anything that was going on. Everyone else just seemed to go along with it. Yuta had his moments where he was questioning things here and there, but mostly he was in for the ride. But here's the thing. The show really wasn't about just one main uh protagonist it had three true i mean if, if you take well, I actually, four I actually say that i would say if you want to really, really want to talk about the protagonist i i think there are three you have yuta rika and utsumi um, i would honestly say four and honestly if we're talking are you talking about Gridman too no akane because let's be oh, real Shinjo. she's the real main character she is god she is kamisama but more than that, everything in re- realistically was actually surrounded uh, on her. That's why I would say she's the actual main character. Well, true. Well, yeah, everything happens because of her for sure. Um, it it was really uh, it was really interesting. I think it was a great choice for how they did how they did her character arc, where she starts out as this really mysterious kind of individual. Then you find out she's really the puppet master. Behind the straight or behind the scenes, pulling all everyone's strings, and then you find out that there's actually someone else pulling her strings, and then she's kind of redeemed at the end because she realize realizes, oh, these people actually give a shit about me. I shouldn't actually try and kill them. Yeah, I, know, I I really like the way they handled her character arc because she starts out as this sort of side character, then she becomes an antagonist, and then she becomes sort of a protagonist by the end almost. It, it was a it was a journey to go through her arc. Yeah, and and they they did it in in twelve episodes. I mean, I was just shocked that they were able to do this in twelve episodes to have such a fully fleshed out character arc. Uh, if anything, um, I'm disappointed. We're not going to be getting more of her because she was complex to say the least. Yeah, but maybe yeah. Um, it, what we got was enough as it was. I honestly think they. I I feel the same way, sort of about how how this ended as I do about Bacchano. It's like, I love Bacchano. I think it could have gone on forever and I'd still be liking it. But the fact that they were able to take 14 episodes and tell a really cohesive, great story that involves so many characters and so many plot threads. I I'm, I'm okay with what I got. I, I really am. And if there's never anything else, I can live with that. But since we're on the subject of characters, Yes. There is there is one I have to talk about where I'd be completely remiss if we didn't spend at least a couple of minutes talking about the thigh mama, Rika oh. Takarada. Oh, oh. So, so Lord. So can can we just talk about how uh God, I gotta be really careful here. <laughs> um how great her character design is. Her uh her aesthetic is her aesthetic is beautiful it's very very uh all encompassing to yes. say the least so yeah rika obviously became known for having thick thighs of course um she was destined to be this way because the um i have to sneeze oh god <laughs> Sneeze in the middle of a recording. Um, oh, God, now I forget. Um, oh, uh, Amamiya said that before before they started, or while they started working on the show, that he didn't really care what Rika's char- final character design was as long as she had a big ass and thick thighs. And that is a man who is cultured, that is a, my friends. That is a man who knows what he's about. And he knows what kind of degenerate fan base that the anime community is. And he knew what would sell. Yep, and he, he was he right. He made the right choice. He he made the damn right choice. They're, I they're really, probably I, seeing... 
they're going to be seeing dollar bills for the next year or so off all the sales for this bullshit. Yeah. Good I really hope God. we can get I'm really hoping that soon we can get a Rika uh figure cuz I would oh, definitely it's coming. buy that shit. It's coming. It is without a doubt coming. And yeah, people will I, I be would coming definitely too. buy it. Definitely 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 buy it. Um yeah, like Rika's design is just aesthetically very pleasing to look at. Um, not only that, and all the characters I would say have really expressive faces. They're also very unique, which I found to be rather impressive uh, for them to do. Yeah, I mean, one thing that you can say about the character designs in this show is not a single character suffers from same face. Oh no, without a doubt, uh, you like. You can look at different characters, and even if they're far away or something, you will recognize them without a doubt. And even Gridman's design was absolutely, it was stunningly beautiful. When compared to a lot of other uh, shows and such, yeah. I mean, the the way they use the the contrasting colors on him to, well, I said contrast, complementary colors on him to to. I had this flow across this whole. It was it was just really good, and it was I mean it was definitely complimented by the fact that the animation quality in the show was top notch. Every time they had a fight with Gridman, they they put work into this, and it was rather blatant and obvious, which was amazing. It was a feast for the eyes. Yeah. So before we get into the story, I do want to talk about the animation quality. So with a lot of these seasonal shows that we get, these 12 and 13 episode shows that we seem to get every season now, it's like it used to be the exception. Now it's the rule for some fucking reason. It's the norm um, now. Yeah. It's just yeah, how it is. It, did, it didn't for, for, for newer anime fans out there. That did not used to be the norm at all. Um, Times have changed but, with the rise of the internet. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the animation quality because it, a lot of a lot of seasonal, for lack of a better word, shows that only are around for twelve or thirteen episodes and they're gone. They suffer from like this degradation in animation quality the longer the show goes on, especially if it's a show that I guess the animators lose confidence in. I don't know where they don't I think don't it's actually think, going to be good. I don't think it has a matter of confidence. I'm pretty sure it has all to do with budget. I maybe and of course this also could be the fact that Trigger teamed up with Subaraya to do this and Subaraya is the license holder of Ultraman and Gridman so that could have had a lot to do with it so like they're just gonna pump money to make it look as good as possible their own property to look good as possible but I was just very surprised that through all 12 episodes of this show except for maybe one or two very 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 minor parts I thought that the animation quality stayed pretty high up there the whole time it was consistently high and if you knew uh what was going to happen you could you know it was going to look good while it was happening and you didn't have to worry about it like you'd never had to worry about oh this might this fight might looks uh rather crappy like the typically unless it's the end of the show fights towards the end a lot of uh, shows tend to look not as good, but this show, everything was consistent. It looked good and beautiful. Everything was very well animated. Like there was actual fight choreograph uh, choreograph words choreography. Chore- <laughs> thank you. That word. There, it that actually existed, and it was mm-hmm. wonderful to watch. Mm. Uh, also worth pointing out, I actually found this out after I got through watching the anime. Some of the fight choreography was copied move for move from the original show. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, again, and they did all of this without any kind of motion control. They literally went in and hand-drew all the stuff that they saw in the original show. Okay, thinking about it now, though, it does make sense why uh so much of it looked like it was a person in a suit throwing mm-hmm. uh something around because um back in the day that that's how they uh, that's what it did was things. yeah it, it was, literally it was a, a guy in a rubber in a suit, suit. <laughs> it was a guy in a rubber suit that's how they used to do all those shows the yeah. special effects laden shows so that's why it actually looked like uh it was legitimately someone fighting in there doing yeah. all the weird nonsensical moves because uh yeah. they copied it 
Straight up. Yeah, it literally was choreography because it was originally choreographed in the 90s. Oh, that's also that 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 one time where you see Gridman do the transformation and he comes out like with his fist up in front of his face. That yes. is copied directly from the 1960s Ultraman transformation. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. I think I think all of the Ultraman transformations from the '60s, I think throughout even the '70s, had that same style. Where every time Ultraman would transform, he'd go, he'd like fly towards the camera with his fist out. But yeah, so I, I just wanted to bring that up because, like, I, one of the reasons I love Studio Trigger is because I like their animation, and they went, I, I would say, pretty much above and beyond what I was ever expecting for this show. Yeah, like especially, especially they put during more the work into it than I ever imagined they would, and I'm happy they did. It was just surprising. Yeah, none of the none of the hiccups in the animation happened during the fights. It was always during like the the sort of I always say not necessarily emotional, but the the one on one scenes with certain characters had some interesting animation hiccups. But other than that, I thought that especially during the fights, the animation was top notch. And even the little amount of hiccups that were there, you barely noticed them. Let's be and real. And I can only imagine. See, this is what we saw broadcasted. I can only imagine what this is going to look like on a Blu-ray release. Oh, good lord! It's because you know they always when they when they do the Blu-ray releases, they always go back and clean up the animation. Yep, and this is going to be a money maker. So, cop yeah. that, cop that All Blu-ray. Right. Re- Blu-ray release. You're you're gonna enjoy it. I'm, I'm I am hoping that someone brings it stateside because I would like to actually own this on Blu-ray as much as I enjoyed it. Considering um, everything's gotten bigger over the years, I have no doubt it'll eventually make its way here. Yep. All right. So I I, I want to get into this story because I think there is some stuff for us to unpack here. Um. So oh on, on the boy. surface, this. <laughs> I know. On the surface, going into this, you don't expect a whole lot. I mean, you expect. Power Rangers is what you expect, and and Power Rangers, for as much as myself and you, Chinoda, might love it, is not really known for having very deep stories. Absolutely not. Certain- it was rather simple all the way out. You might have yeah. some things here and there that actually get a little bit sentimental or deep, but it really didn't happen. Not not like that. Yeah. So, but for in Gridman, Gridman, it's totally different. <laughs> It was completely unexpected when they actually started going into a story. Like, mm-hmm. just straight up. No one really expected it to have a big story. I mean, don't get me wrong. All of these have stories here and there. But nothing that's expected to be big or uh, long-running enough for it to matter. But this, it constantly built on itself and in like uh as soon as you start it eventually you start saying hey this is it keeps on going with the story what's going on like there's like character there's something there hiding there's, beneath the surface there's more to this world there's more to these characters like what is happening and you start questioning everything you actually start paying attention it's amazing i never expected it yeah um so, one of the things that struck me as I watch this more and more is the story has lots and lots of symbolism that revolve around depression. Uh, and which is, it kind of comes full circle by the end where you realize that Akane is basically just insanely lonely and very depressed. Yep, that's <laughs> full on depressed. She was, and, she was uh, essentially a neat but actually, uh, if man, if not worse, pretty much, pretty much. Um, and she she thought she didn't have any friends, but all she had to do was open her eyes and see all the people around her, and it's like, oh, okay. But I almost think that the kaiju themselves that she was creating sort of represent different stages of depression. And, and if you think about it, as the show went on and on, the kaiju that she was creating became more and more like deformed and grotesque. It was the, you could say it was an allegory for her emotions showing. Uh, Well, she was having a breakdown, basically. And you watched the breakdown happen in real time over the show as well. Pretty much, yeah. Hell, I would say one of the 
the saddest uh, episode of the whole show would be when she uh, trapped them in a dream state. Yeah, that that threw me for a loop. It's like, did the show start over? Is this going to be a time loop? Is this the Endless Eight all over again? But no, it, it was it was so much more. It was so much better. My God. Yeah, yeah, and and there's a lot of psychological stuff to unpack there. Um, so one of the things that comes out of that episode is none of the three main main characters, so to speak, Yuta, Rika, and Utsumi, they eventually reject the perfect world that Akane creates for all of them in their dream state. So in psychology, this has never, I, from the, the, the best of my knowledge, this has never actually been tested on human beings. Um, but I think it has been tested on rats where if you give someone a perfect world, there's a theory in psychology that the human brain will actually completely reject that. And that's ex exactly what happens throughout this episode. You actually see them start to question the, this perfect world that's been created for them, and then eventually they all reject it. And they want to go back to the the real world they know, which has a bunch of issues and problems that they don't know how to solve, but they prefer it to a perfect world. And the basic premise be, uh, behind that is if you don't have problems, what's the point of living? It's yeah, well, I mean... The, the 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 main antagonist, the the alien dude, Alexis Kreb, at the very end, he can't fathom that he was beaten by a non uh, immortal life form because in his mind, the, since he is essentially immortal and infinite, that it makes his, him perfect. Like, it's yeah, it makes him a perfect life form. But then Gr Gridman essentially comes in with the the whole theme of the entire show he breaks it down very well it basically says that human life the value of human life comes through suffering and getting through the bad times and that's what makes a finite life a, a mortal life worth living that's a great message that's uh, by the way that's the best message you can give to someone who's severely depressed because it shows them that their life has value no matter how fucked up they may think they are Honestly that is speaking, by yeah. far that is by far the best message you can give to someone who is severely depressed. And I, I would say it's it's probably the message that people who are suicidally depressed need to hear. Tell someone they serve a purpose in life and they will yeah. they will be happy because they know they have something. There's also so I have to get into a little bit of a personal story for a second. So you see this in the OP of the show, which we are eventually gonna talk about the OP because it's fucking awesome. Um in the OP of the show and throughout the show, um, Akane uses an X-Acto knife to carve up the kaiju models that she creates. So That's also probably a symbolism for her carving something else up. Well, yes. So... I I, will, I was about to say that I, I suffer... I still suffer from depression. Um, and it was particularly bad when I was in high school. And uh, I myself, to cope with my depression, I actually used to cut myself. And I actually used an X-Acto knife as well to cut myself. And I can't come to find out after I talked to other people who went through some of the same stuff that I did. Apparently, it's the most common way or common method that people use to cut themselves is they go buy X-Acto knives. They're so sharp and precise. They they're do the very work. sharp and they're very precise. Um, so I thought that was a really nice touch to put into the OP and to have Akane use as sort of this this thing that she's using to create these kaiju that are helping her in a way cope with her own depression uh, or at least help her think she's coping with her own depression Good because God, they the, really put the symbolism in there yeah. didn't they yeah I mean and to, to people like myself who used to cut themselves that that knife becomes a symbol of you know you think you have control but you really don't and another another good thing is if you were, if you really pay attention during the OP because that exacto knife that she uses appears in the OP uh, after episode ten that exacto knife is covered in blood. Yeah, after she specifically stabbed Utah, it, they yeah, she changed stabbed Utah. it so that it is covered in blood. Which, which, while a simple little detail, I love the fact that they put that in there. Yeah, it's it's very subtle, but it's very it's a very deep symbol, but it's very subtle. So, I 
one of the things that really struck me about this 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 show is how it really how it portrayed this these coping mechanisms with depression like there, there's a lot of people out there that suffer from depression i i'm not alone and i guarantee you like if if you're listening to this there's probably someone either close to you or relatively close to you in some way whether it's a friend or a family member that suffers from depression in some way um but it's there are myriad ways that people go about coping with them not all of them are good in fact most of them aren't especially if you're trying to self-medicate it's like i did with cutting um it's not not a good way to cope with it um but i think when the story come came around full circle to show that akane knew that she was depressed and was trying at, number one to actively hide it which is something else that people who are depressed are very good at doing when she um, uh you can notice especially when she's around people or anyone's paying attention to her she put the effort to put up a fake smile put up a everything's happy i'm a cheer cheery go lucky person she put that yeah. mask up and that is so uncomfortably relatable yeah well and it's like the the things that she despises the most are when she sees other people being happy and she can't understand why and it's like when she tries to attack the school festival it's like she hates it because there's so many other people that are enjoying it and she can't she doesn't understand why everyone's having a good time being around each other why people are getting along it doesn't make sense for someone like her yeah I thought that was that was just the way they handled that was really really good. Um, I just thought that the way they handled the symbolism of depression throughout the entire show was great. Um, and I I don't think she's clearly not the only one in the show that's depressed. I think that that Rika also shows some signs of a different a very different type of depression. There um, was a, uh, actually a lot of uh, theories on um, the fact that when she made the world that the Rika in that world is actually based on her real looks. Because if you actually look at her real-life self and Rika, they actually look startlingly alike. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, had, I had a thought, and it's gone now. Oh, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's, it's I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> it's gone. Never mind. <laughs> Moving on, then. Um Oh, before I do, just that's one of the things that. So up until like I'll say episode ten or eleven, I was content to just look at this show, give it give it like a, a six or a seven, and say, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a great nostalgia boner for me throughout, and think, wow, what a great way to kind of bring Gridman to a new generation of fans, you know. But I was not. I was content to leave it at that and think nothing more of it. And then like the last two episodes happened, and I thought. Last wow. two. It's more like last three or four, right? Well, I would say from episode 10 onwards, so 10, 11, and 12, for sure. Yeah. Um, I thought, wow, they really they really brought this full circle. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting the – I wasn't expecting there to be, like, a really hopeful or deep message at the end of it like there was. Um, And I just thought, overall, like, the last two or three episodes really changed my opinion of it from a story standpoint. Like, I was really content to give this a six or a seven and, and kind of go on with it, saying it was it was, it was was better than I expected, but it, there was nothing special about it. And then I think I haven't given it, like, a score yet, but I'm thinking I might give it either an eight or a nine. I straight up gave it, like, an eight or a nine. I, I, hold on, let me go check, but I put it somewhere really freaking high because I was like, whoa. Yeah like this there's a lot more to this philosophically and they talk about <laughs> mental trauma and such and depression and i'm like yo this is above and beyond what anyone's expected yeah um while while you do that i i mean i just wanted to bring that up because I, I thought it was something that you and i both agreed on where we were kind of thinking it was going to be something that was above average above what we expected but nothing special and then like the last few episodes hit and it's boom oh wow um so while you look that up yes i do want to i do want to i do want to swiftly move on because we, we need to wrap this up soon um the op and the ed so the op is banging uh i fucking love it it's 
unbelievably well animated for an OP. Uh, it has very subtle changes throughout the, the course of the episodes, especially toward the end, like we said, with the um, the X-Acto knife getting covered in blood. Um, I, I really... The song is awesome. The, the visuals are stunning. And I think there's... Unlike a lot of OPs today, I don't think it really gave much away in terms of spoilers and the visuals. They if made it did, it, there was nothing I noticed. They made it matter, but not in a way where you could tell plot details and such. Not you could what after the truly fact. matters. Yeah. You certainly could after the fact, but I don't think before the fact. Before, you could, you could uh, try to maybe guess at it, but you won't really know. After, yeah. though, you'll be like, holy shit. This all yeah. makes sense now. Also, I give it a yeah. 9. A 9, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the OP is, is, is phenomenal. I I could listen to that. That song is just it's so upbeat and hopeful, and it's like, yes! Um, and also, when it starts playing in the final episode, it's like, oh! Um. The music in general was pretty good for the show, but the ED uh, the ED is also something I wanted to touch on briefly. Um, so the song stays the same, but and the visuals are the same throughout the first few episodes. But from the middle onward, like from episode five or six onwards, the visuals sim- tend to change with every single episode. And I thought that was a really good choice because as the as the story kind of got darker and darker, the visuals quite literally got darker because the color palette got darker it's again this is uh to do with consistently they made sure to pay attention to what was happening in the story and match the feel of it in everything else also it's not just the show that matters but the opening to it and the ending to it they matter and they they made sure Everything was in the same style and feel. Yeah, I yeah, and they did they did a great job with that with the music, and they did that with the um, with the visuals as well. Uh, all right, so I guess we need to wrap this up soon. So uh, I want to talk about the the very final scene in the final episode. It's live action. I have two questions for you in particular. Okay. Do you think this was a good idea, and should this happen more often? I think it's perfectly fine to uh, do some uh, stuff like that. And it was very new to me, and I did not mind it at all because it threw me for a loop. And it wasn't like if they showed it as someone animated waking up, I'm like. Okay, that's it's a bit different. There, it was all a dream essentially, but then they decide to go the extra mile and say, "Yeah, it was all a dream, and it was uh, it's done through a uh, actual person. Like this happened in real life." And I thought, "Hey, this only strengthens the show and helps people." Who are suffering like uh, Akane, give them a connection. Let them see that there are others out there and they can it's not too late. They can reach out for help. They can get better. It is a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I thought I thought using the, I don't know if this would work for every single anime, but I think no, it in definitely particular wouldn't. for this for for this particular instance, I thought it really drove home this this idea that listen like this 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 kind of mental suffering can happen with real people in real life so take care of yourselves another uh quick thing i do have to say that i really enjoyed the fact that they didn't um uh, take any uh mental problems as a joke or anything they they talked about it seriously and they put honest effort into it and they they could have gone such an easy route of having a joke here and there but no they intentionally chose the hard hard route of respecting all that and i really appreciate that 
Not that there's yeah. anything particularly wrong with them making jokes out of it here and there. It's just real life. You make jokes out of everything. But yeah. when you make the effort to not do that and uh, go the hard route, it's just appreciated. Yeah, it is. It is, especially when it's it's taken as seriously as they took it. Um, for, let's be honest, a type of, of story that most people wouldn't take seriously to begin with. So I think it, it's an interesting contrast for me. But I, I honestly thought that final shot where it's it's live action, it's someone waking up from a dream. There are items from the show that are kind of surrounding this person that's waking up. And I thought it was just it was a really great way to drive home that that point of like there are actual people in the real world that that suffer from depression and mental illness. It's like watch out for them and try and take care of yourself if you can. Yeah, seriously. But another thing, uh if I remember right, after the show ended, uh, one of the staff at uh, that helped make the show actually tweeted out, hey, mental health is no joke. Make sure you take care of yourself. And I was like, yo. That, yeah, it was, the, it, was a, it was the director, uh, Amamiya, who tweeted that out. And he said, oh, it was Amamiya himself who tweeted it out. Yeah. Really? Okay, that's yes. even better. It's like, it's like, boys and girls, take care of yourselves. I mean, he knew what he was doing, clearly. Yeah, like, at first, I thought it was just... At first, I think all of us thought this was just going to be a nostalgia boner with, like, great thighs and ass, and it was just going to be a good old ride with the boys, but then you get to the end, you're fucking crying because you're like, holy shit, this is too real. Yeah. I mean, it, don't get us wrong. It really was that nostalgia boner, and it was the thick thighs, and it was everything else, and it was great animation, but it it, just, it became more than we expected it to. And I think that, at the end of the day, is why you and I really enjoyed it. It's definitely one of the reasons. I think... It's more than likely going to be in my top five of this year. I, I I think I can confidently say that. That's fair enough. I don't think it'll be in my top five, but I would definitely put it in a top ten list, maybe. Oh, without a doubt. Compared to everything that came out this year, this was something else. All right, so there's one last thing I want to do before we wrap this up here. Um so at the end of the of when the anime finished airing, there was a PV that came out for the new Ultraman anime that's going to be airing uh, this coming spring, twenty nineteen, on Netflix. Um, this particular, I mean, there's had there have been PVs for this Ultraman anime before, but this particular PV was quite literally uh, Gridman passing the torch, as it were, to this new Ultraman. Um, if you haven't seen that PV, it's it's really cool. Uh, it's really cool to see these two together like they are. We'll make and, sure it's in the description. Yeah, I'll link it below in the description if you haven't checked it out yet. Um, But I thought that was a really great way to pass the torch, seeing as these two franchises, Gridman and Ultraman, are owned, or their licenses are owned by the same production studio, uh, Superaya, who are also going to be working uh, on the... Ultraman anime as well. The Ultraman anime, for I know a lot of people will cringe at this, is going to be full CGI. So uh, I know we're I know a lot also of very afraid and we're cautiously looking forward to it. From what little we have seen, me and Alex have talked about this. It looks fine, but again, we only have seen only very specific portion of it. So we'll yes. just have to see as it comes out. Yes. Um, also worth noting that in this particular PV, it does say that it's going to be airing worldwide starting this spring. So I think even in like outside of out of side of Japan, I think this is going to be airing week to week on Netflix. So uh, if it is, if that ends up being the case, thank you Netflix for finally getting with the program. Um, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like they finally realized. Oh, hey, we need to make sure people are watching on our platform instead yeah. of uh, pirating it because they don't want to wait yeah. on our bullshit. Yeah. Thank you for, for screwing over a little witch academia like that. Uh, um, it's just, I, anyway, uh, um, moving on, moving on. I, that just still to this day triggers me. Um, I do want, want the last question I will ask. I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to be watching the Ultraman anime uh, but are you going to be doing? 
the same thing? I'll check it out, and if it if it keeps me watching, I'll I'll keep it watching. But especially thanks to Gridman, I have I have more of a confidence in Super Sentai anime, and that makes me happy. Yeah, I I I think the the best thing that came out of this whole Gridman experience is that I think it got a lot of pe- a lot of new fans turned on to this experience that is Gridman slash Ultraman. And I think it's gonna it's gonna encourage some people, maybe not all, but I think a number of people to go check it out and see what all the fuss is about. And I think that at at the end of it all, I think it definitely accomplished its goal if that is indeed one of the things it set out to do. Yeah, when when you have franchises like this, you can't solely survive on your older fans you need to keep on bringing in new fans as well and gridman absolutely gridman did a wonderful job of that i'm most definitely sure there are going to be new people that are going to check this uh check this whole franchise out and find out there's more to everything there's so much more and they're gonna explore it they're gonna spend money on it and it's just gonna be great yep all right well with that Thank you all out there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this stuff to you. If you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. If you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our Discord server, become a member of our Facebook group, follow our Twitch channel, and visit our websites. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns on this or any episode, feel free to shoot us an email or leave a comment down below in the description where links to all of the above said things will also be. I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, Gridman. I'm a fap to some thighs tonight. Oh, Jesus Christ. You had to end on that fucker. You (laughs) motherfucker. (laughs) Dick thighs make a dick rise. (laughs)